and stereotypes or repressed masculinity that has seemed to work for so long is cracking. Doesn't she know that's just boys being boys? It's not man. But I have a problem with that frame and I don't accept it. You guys are off the pudding. Come on, you candy. Looks like we got ourselves a ladies man. I'm a baby, I'm a man. Redefining what we come to know as manhood. My name is Will Small. I've been handed stories throughout my life of what a man should be, how they should act, what they aren't supposed to say or do. And I wonder, what stories are we currently passing on to our young boys and men? Are we satisfied with them? This show is not a set of answers. Rather, it's a conversation with those who want to ask better questions. Live a better story. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Mankind Podcast. Change isn't easy, but it's inevitable. There are ideas and ways of thinking that may have gotten us to where we are today, but they're not going to take us to where we need to go tomorrow. You can think about this regarding something like technology, right? Like I'm sure it was amazing the first time someone invented a horse-drawn carriage. But being really attached to that model of transport could stop you from experimenting with the technology needed to make a car. Kodak are really famous for discovering the technology for digital photography before anyone else, but sticking with the old tech too long till others had figured it out and left them in their dust. I wonder if there are these moments in culture and history where we need to upgrade our thinking about big ideas like masculinity, gender norms. That can be scary, discomforting, but what's gotten us to where we are won't necessarily get us to where we want to go tomorrow. So how do we create large-scale change? How do we encourage new ways of thinking across big groups of people? This is essentially what Tim Silverwood, the founder of Take Three for the Sea, spends his life trying to do. He's tackling the enormous problem of plastic pollution. And in a sense, he's trying to upgrade our thinking about waste and sustainability. There's a lot of parallels between Tim's work and my journey to uncover our stories about manhood in order to affirm what's helpful and challenge what's not. I'm a huge fan of the work Tim does and the way he does it. And I think he adds some amazing insight to this conversation about navigating difficult but inevitable change. I'm um, Tim Silverwood, one of the co-founders and the CEO of Take Three for the Sea. Our organisation was born here on the Central Coast back in 2009 and we're trying to tackle this immense problem of plastic polluting our oceans and waterways through our campaign that encourages people just to take three bits of trash with them when they leave a beach or a waterway or anywhere in nature. And um, at the essence, it's, um, it's trying to use education and inspiration to get as many people as possible participating in, um, in this huge challenge we have about sustainability and, and, and living in harmony with our planet because at the mm. moment it's just so convincing that we're that we're not doing a great job of that so yeah i've really enjoyed it it's um 10 years since we started take three and um it's been a really rich journey and hopefully um lots more exciting stuff to come yeah awesome so obviously you are kind of in the business of helping people to think differently about things that they've maybe just done a certain way for a long time what are the ways we could challenge some of those negative stories and uh, create some more positive ones for the future? But I'd love for you just to uh, cast your mind back to when you were a kid growing up. What did 
being a man mean in your mind? Or what were some of the stories you were given or images that you saw that shaped how you thought about manhood even as a boy? Yeah, look, it's, um, it's so interesting, I think, because growing up as a young man in Australia, we've you know, suffered and we probably still continue to suffer from that very strong stigma of, of what it means to be a man. And, and I think it's only really been the last two or three years that I've certainly sensed that there's a another side of the coin. So for me, that actually means that it's all starting to make a bit more sense. Um, I grew up with a lot of very strong female influences in my life, like from mm -hmm. my mother and my grandmother, my sister, my auntie, like so many strong women. And I've always sort of found it quite challenging to to acknowledge that uh, those traditional overtones of masculinity because it actually didn't really strike a chord with me particularly. So in that regard, I was a little bit more of a, um, you know, I want to say unorthodox, but why should that even be a terminology yeah. that we use? Um, but like I said, the, the bottom line is now I'm feeling much more connected to my role as a as a man and I'm just so stoked to see a, a bigger conversation taking place now about masculinity. So I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's synergies with environmental sustainability because those that can sort of peer in and, and recognise how much damage those archaic sort of perceptions of um, masculinity are can see where it needs to get to and that's very much the same as with environmental sustainability. So when you think today in this moment about what it means to be a man how would you describe that what are some of the qualities or ideas I know it's a really tricky question because it immediately is about trying to box things up again but you know when you think about what what it could mean what's like a bigger broader understanding of manhood how would you kind of describe it yeah i just think it's um it has to be about inclusivity and some sort of holistic appreciation like i think a lot about this sort of stuff and just wondering where those traditional structures of of masculinity and, and what it means to be a man sort of emanate from and they obviously grew to where they got to for some reason right whether it was whether it was culture, whether it was, um, you know, some survival instincts. There's obviously a reason it sort of it got sure. to the way it is. And so now I think with this knowledge and with this insight comes an opportunity to start to then unpack it and reconstruct it for the future. Like we do live in very stable, balanced societies now, in some parts of the world anyway, and Australia is definitely one of those. And so... I think we've actually now got the opportunity um, to really start to flex that muscle and change our definition of it because I think that there's so many negatives that have clearly come from those traditional um, traditional models. So Yeah. Did you ever find yourself trying to live out some of those and kind of, you know, uh, that not working? Like did you ever feel like you had to kind of conform to some of those different pressures around what a man should be? Yeah, I think um, definitely that – one thing I think I've always had on my side is this strength of character that even though I was different, I was strong enough in my way of different to not, I guess, suffer that final piece of coercion across. So my moral compass is, is thankfully really strong and that probably comes back once again to my, my upbringing. Um, so I'd like to hope then that I've I've been a, a good influence on others and I really want to continue to do that into the future. Mm. Um, it's just so easy for, for you and for me and for many others to see there's so much benefit that can come from 
um, this new conversation, this new definition of, of masculinity and, and as we've emphasised, the deconstructing those really poor practices and behaviours. Mm. Yeah. So we were just talking before, you do a lot of work uh, with young people, a lot of speaking in schools, um, and that's such a powerful time when young people are still, you know, their, their mind is much more open and, and ideas haven't kind of been set in concrete or anything yet. If you could go back and speak to yourself when you're a school student, maybe kind of on that brink of, you know, like being, being in the middle of your teenage years or 18 years old, kind of responsibility opening up to you, what would be some of the things you would say you know, with the benefit of hindsight now to that version of yourself, kind of what encouragements or challenges would you give to him around who he's becoming? I think just reassurances, like, and this sort of comes back to this feeling like I have sort of had inside me for a, a long time that um, that this sort of common sense will, will prevail on this stuff. And that's why I've been, it came completely out of left field and a few years ago when we started to see this conversation taking place in the media and in other forums um, around some of those huge negative impacts of toxic masculinity and abusive behaviour. And so I think just going back to my teenage self, it really would have just been those words of, of reassurance because I think I, I had it in me. My moral compass was quite well set and structured. It would have just been reinforcing that because, yeah, had I not had the same support or space around me then it very easily could have just tipped across into those other um, other avenues so that's what I suppose is, we need more of that we need more um, you know nouveau men out there who can just sort of represent um, an evolved conversation so that more young men and more young people can sort of um, strive for that strive for betterment yeah mm. yeah that's great so your work at Take Three for the Sea obviously has a strong future focus. Um, it's about it's about preventing the worst negative outcome that we can imagine for the future. But it's not just about that. It's also about painting a picture, I think, of a beautiful future where we actually care for our planet and our oceans. So there's sort of a real negative to be avoided, but there's also, you know, hopefully a beautiful positive that maybe we can create together. And I think that's really relevant to, to this conversation as well because think we're at a bit of a critical point where we recognize that some of these behaviors and some of the things that have come out in recent years like you pointed out in the media if we just let that keep going that just is a pathway towards more destruction for our young boys and men um, but then at the same time we could kind of dream about a better future where it's not just about avoiding harm but what would it look like for for boys and men to really be free uh, to be themselves in a whole bunch of different ways so as you think about, you know, kind of that comparison, yeah, what are some of the things you think we need to put in place now um, to help us uh, not just avoid a terrible future with really restricted, reduced versions of masculinity, but also to create, you know, a more open, spacious future with, with room for, for boys to become a million different versions of, of what that could look like? Yeah, people always ask me, like, with the work we do with, take three and my own brand of environmentalism like what what do we need to do next or what more can we be doing and I often as sort of lame as it as it sounds like come back to saying whatever you're doing now keep doing it and do a little bit more because the fact is we are sitting here now having this conversation and it's going to be falling on people's ears who deeply care about this stuff and that wasn't the case beforehand so even though like in the context of plastic pollution and our oceans we really need to turn things around as rapidly as possible. If we don't, there's going to be 
more plastic in the sea than fish by 2050 and we're going to have killed off millions of innocent sea creatures in the process. But the bottom line is these huge, huge changes do take time and they take a massive breadth of culture to get on board. And as you and I could probably both agree, that change starts with very small human interaction. It starts with that transaction that we ask people to take three for the sea and I know we're going to have a conversation about what simple things could men do that just take us a little bit closer to that end goal. So, you know, I think, and that's what's probably enabled me to maintain my, my focus on this environmental journey for the long game is if you come on and you try and change it by clicking your fingers and you expect a result immediately, you're going to get pretty disillusioned, pretty burnt out, and you're going to go and retreat. So you've actually got to have this remarkable staying power to be able to persevere through these things and just see that even incremental change, as frustrating as it might be sometimes, is probably the only way you can get to the end goal. Yeah, for sure. Playing the long game is is really more important than a, a short, you know, burnt out sprint. Um, love that. Yeah, I think, you know, again, thinking about the comparison between your work and this conversation, it can be easy to swing uh, either into kind of total despair and just feeling like, oh, things are so hopeless, so much plastic in the ocean, there's so many negative characteristics that we see in in men across culture. Um, Sometimes we then swing to the other end, we just get really almost blindly hopeful where we stop actually acknowledging the problem you know oh that's not all men there's heaps of good men or you know that's not you know my beach is clean like there's ways that we kind of can swing between despair and hope and uh, I think we really need to figure out a way to find the balance of acknowledging the negative reality hearing the stories of people who have suffered from it you know actually confronting uh, what what waste or plastic pollution looks like for example and so going this is really bad but then somehow kind of maintaining enough hope that we do those little things you're talking about. Have you found any strategies in your own life for kind of walking that line between being honest about negative realities and kind of keeping a flame of hope alive in the midst of that? Yeah, look, I think there's two sides to it. There's me as an individual, and I think a lot of the the reasons I can sort of be here and know that I'll be on my environmental journey for you know the remainder of my time on this planet is just because of my philosophical beliefs and my character and my own personal commitments. But I think more interesting than that is probably just thinking of the parallel with Take Three for the Sea and, you know, our message, despite it being rather gruesome in what the end result of this problem is, it's those poor choking animals that we don't want to see and we certainly don't want to make people confront those every day of the week. So we actually, with our communications, have always trod this fine line between, yes, we'll slap you across the face to make you realise this problem is happening, but then we'll nurture you through actually positivity and inspiration. Mm. So we're constantly balancing this line of just throwing a bit of shock in there, but probably 70 80% is inspiration and optimism. And that, I think, is just purely preying upon our our human ways like if we mm. if we go too hard on the negative we uh, we isolate people and we don't really get to the end conclusion so you have to find a way to get people on board because that's what we really want at the end of the day we don't just want people to sort of do a take three for the sea once that would be failure to me i want people to take three for the sea on multiple occasions i want it to be a gateway drug i want them to be the ones that are doing the plastic free july i want them to be the ones that are signing the petitions but I think it starts with a accessible entry point. 
yeah, I love love everything you just shared. Uh, and I think it's what often uh, in this kind of conversation people get frustrated because there's a lot of uh, maybe campaigns or messaging that just feels like it's basically saying uh, men stop being bad. And, and there's definitely like some truth in that. Sometimes that needs to be said, but those kind of campaigns don't inspire people towards a better story. Sometimes they actually make people, I think, bunker down. Well, I'm just going to keep being me because you're just coming at me with negativity. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in kind of give people the shock, wake them up a bit, but then invite them into something that's inspiring. Yeah, and take them on a journey because, I mean, we, as much as we, sh- we shouldn't have to be this way, like we are changing the status quo, right? Unfortunately, the status quo has been um, in a really, really poor state for for a long time. So it's unfortunately, I mean, I'm really impressed with how rapid we are changing and transitioning and opening up a conversation. But gosh, I mean, imagine how long it's going to take to tease it out of other cultures. I mean, here we are in a very privileged state with a very advanced civilization and culture and mm. we're just starting to unpack it. But there's so many cultures around the world where this is going to take decades if not i don't know does it ever happen in some cultures yeah. it's gonna, we're going to have a heck of a long way but hey at least we're starting this is once again that balance between not um you know not not expecting a rapid result being in it for the, the long game and celebrating each of those incremental mm. wins and gains yeah. yeah yeah that's great um it's the incremental that leads to the monumental exactly. it's those those you know kind of again you think about that the problem is all those tiny little bits of plastic but, you know, it's, it's changing that that creates the mountain of change. So Yeah, like plastic straws at the moment. I wasn't even expecting that. We'd campaigned on all sorts of problem plastics and sure, like straws are one of them. And then it's literally just a, a viral video clip of a turtle with a straw up its nostril and suddenly the whole world is talking about getting rid of plastic straws and people are like, it's just, you know, it's incredible how one small thing can trigger um, a lot of, you know, broad change. Yeah, for sure. So I'm often really interested, you know, just at a personal level in the habits that people have and the kind of rhythms that people have. I know that for me, you know, if I want to become a certain kind of person in the world, it doesn't just happen by thinking about it. Changing my thinking begins with changing very small parts of my behaviour. Um, so for you, Tim, like someone who is obviously uh, uh, a thoughtful man and someone who's displaying kind of courageous future-centred leadership for our, our next generation. Uh, what are some of the kind of the rhythms, the practices, the habits that you have in place in your own life to keep you healthy? What are some of the things that you do, um, yeah, to take care of you so that you can actually be of good to the world around you? Yeah, look, I think uh, from a very early age, I've had a close relationship with nature. Um, being a surfer, it's this my ultimate source of therapy and rejuvenation Um, but I think I try and bring that sort of mindfulness and consciousness into as much of my life as I possibly can just sort of living a a balanced life and I think a lot of that does come down to those relationships that I have that's a life worth living right to Mm. to 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 wander blindly through life to me is just a you know it's, it's a crime like we've got this one short little splash at this beautiful thing we call life yeah for sure um, so take three for the C. I mean, it, it's amazing the work you guys do. Like, congratulations on all the work you do and, and, you know, power to you as you keep going. One of the things I love about it is just how simple it is. Like, I'm, I'm passionate about great communication. And the name of your organisation is literally what you want people to do. It's, it's so simple that the step is uh, right there in your name. Um, and it's, you know, 
uh, people can figure it out if they haven't already. But basically when you go to the beach, take three pieces of rubbish with you. So you haven't even had to explain that to me and it, I just get it. Um, what would be kind of some similar things we could, I don't, I don't know if you have ideas, but what would be simple things we could think about in terms of helping men uh, to live out a more positive version of manhood? Um, yeah, what are some steps that are as simple and practical and yet, you know, they, they add up that we could kind of apply to this conversation? Yeah, I was thinking about this and um, you know, I don't think I've got the answer for the next great campaign, but I did go to a, a workshop um, relatively recently where the presenter was um, just sort of, it was to a room of men, there was about 250 men there, it was really quite a, um, a powerful experience and he was talking about the, the subject of, of small talk and that men, um, and maybe particularly Australian men, have this real aversion to opening up themselves and talking about how they really feel. And so the sort of metaphor that he gave was like, you know, skimming a stone across a surface of water and we, we go through life and we're just skimming, like we're just skimming across the surface of the water and what we need to do is actually allow that sort of pebble to, to sink down. So the strategy that they were saying was to try and um, next time you're in that small talk scenario, like when you're going for your answer or you're asking the next question, don't think about the first question that came to mind. Think about the second or the third question. Like what are those questions or those subject matters that you actually know inside you that you'd like to talk about, but like there's all these barriers and obstacles as to why you do it. So I think that really resonated for me because I just don't do small talk. It's like we've got this unique opportunity to connect as people here. What are we scared about or why is society structured in a way that we can't actually talk about things that are mm. more meaningful? So I suppose, um, and you'll have more experience than this than me, but if that's, if that's a good word of wisdom, like get out there and have a bit more of that that next step down from the surface level conversation. Yeah. And then if that feels good, go, and go a little bit deeper because once you've got that confidence that you can do that, I think it could be a game changer. Yeah, I think that's great. It makes me think that a lot of our conversations, we follow a script that we've followed, you know, a million times before. How are you going? Good. How are you? Good. You know, how's the weather? Small talk is like um, muscle memory. We just do it because that's what we've done every time. But if you can be that person who consciously answers that question in a way that breaks the script, then the other person, they can't follow the script. You've actually kind of put them in a position where you're inviting them to go deeper. So love that idea of, you know, rather than just skipping the stone across the water, uh, give that second response or that kind of maybe think about something beforehand that you can take into conversations this week that might encourage people to open up. Because, you know, I think when one person does it, it gives permission for the other person to do it. And I think a lot of us are craving that. We want to we wanna open up. We want to be real. Not many people, I think, are really, like, just hungry for more small talk. Um, I think, like you're saying, that's what people desire is the real stuff. But maybe, you know, it takes that first person yeah. just giving permission to the other. I suppose this is where when that does happen and we, we do start to unpack some of these components of, of the challenging sides of masculinity, we need to obviously make sure there's a huge support network there, right? Because for many for many men out there that potentially haven't had the sort of exposure to this stuff like you and I have had, the rug is being pulled out from underneath them and that must be a very frightening and scary thing for some people. Um, so I don't want to... Um, gloss over the fact that this is probably yeah. hugely challenging for a lot of men to, to, to be going where we're, where we're quite comfortable to go. Yeah, 
Yeah, and for sure, like what we've been saying the whole time, uh, it's just small steps. Like if you're listening to this and you're someone who just, you know, uh, you're like, man, it sounds like these guys just love a, a deep philosophical several hour conversation about all manner of topics. You know, if that's not you, that's fine. Um, but what's the next small kind of just that little bit deeper, just that little bit more open? Don't feel like you have to change everything at once. Um, or, or like you have to arrive at this position, you know, but, but what would be the, the, the next more healthy place you could be at? And there's definitely that for me as well. I'm certainly still a work in progress and know that I still carry around uh, within me, you know, kind of versions of masculinity that are overly simplistic. And, you know, I didn't mention this to you, Tim, but like a big motivator for me in this whole conversation is I have two little boys, uh, a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old. And uh, so for me, when they were, born is kind of this like real like confronting holding up a mirror to myself around my own understandings of yeah what it means to grow up as a as a guy and to actually go oh these they they deserve something better and bigger than some of the really small 2d versions that i have so um yeah ramble done but i want to thank you so much for giving giving me your time it's awesome to sit in this little uh sort of shed space where you guys run workshops and host important conversations around big issues so thank you for adding your voice into this one I'd love to just give you the final word you know if you're thinking in your mind about people that might be listening to this might be engaging in this conversation what would be your kind of final words of encouragement or advice um, to that person listening yeah well hopefully if you've made it this far through the podcast um, you're interested in this uh, issue and um, like when I was imagining getting back and speaking to my my teenage self like if you've got those those feelings and that sentiment then um acknowledge them and and nourish them and and hopefully you know the little words of advice that we've offered up here today strike a chord and 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 keep going because for me the, the reason why my environmental journey is is so set in stone and i know it's going to broaden and branch out to great subject matters like this one as well it's all part and parcel of realising that we can um, we can do things a heck of a lot better than what we, we currently are. And isn't that kind of at the core of our evolutionary journey is to just make those um, incremental improvements to what came before us. So, yeah, I hope it's been fun for you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. Cheers. This Mankind podcast is a conversation about what it means to live out a positive story of manhood in the world today. I don't think it's possible to have a conversation about being a good man without including the perspectives of women in the conversation. If you're a man listening to this podcast, why not listen to it with your partner, girlfriend, mother, sister, daughter, see what they think. I've asked a good friend of mine, Hannah Gearhart, to add her voice to this conversation. I I am Hannah Gearhart. I am a writer. I um, am doing a PhD in creative writing at the moment. I'm also a head teacher of English in a local high school. I am a passionate feminist. I am married to a wonderful man and we have two small kids, so I'm a mum and wife as well. Hannah Gearhart, hello. Hey, Will. Um, so what were your kind of just uh, first impressions, big picture, thinking about like how, how the whole conversation kind of felt to you? Yeah, I was really struck with how practical it was I know that at the end you asked him for some practical tips but it was like the whole conversation was just a this is how I'm living this has worked for me 
in terms of his environmental conservation, but there is so much symmetry like you guys talked about um, with these discussions we're having about gender. Well, let's let's just, you know, get into some of that nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. What were some of the key thoughts and ideas that really grabbed you or that really stood out that you think are worth discussing further? Um, what I found really interesting, and I have found this a bit of a pattern in all the conversations you've had, is that the men you have interviewed have all acknowledged the women that have shaped them. And I think it's not just enlightened men, it's I think most men would be able to talk about women who have had influence and have had nurturing impact or have shaped the way they have viewed the world. I know some people have had really negative experiences, but generally uh, I think people could list women who have shaped them and I think that needs more space, doesn't it? It's, it's a very weird disconnect where people have been raised or have encountered women who are incredibly influential and then can disconnect that and have surprisingly misogynistic beliefs and also love their mum and their daughter. And so I think that's an interesting space. You know, maybe that's something we could talk about more, that why can you respect some women but not women generally? Yeah. Um, And there's got to be something about the roles that we kind of allow uh, women to fill in our lives or something. Like I think it's sort of like a a man is allowed to be my mentor. mm. But, you know, how many guys have – women who are their mentors or who mm. are their um, their coaches or their um, even just their friends. You know, that's a big one for me that it, to me, like having a lot of women who are friends in my life is really important. Mm. Um, I think some guys, it's almost like they kind of get to a certain stage where it's like, well, I've got my partner yep. and then all my friends are blokes or whatever. I know. And how unhealthy is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe it's a good starting point. Mm. to do what these men have done and which is starting with actually just doing a stock take. Mm. Who are the women that have influenced or shaped me, whether or not I've given them credit? Yeah. If they've had such a huge influence on me, which, you know, one of them got you in the world. So at least there's that. Thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. You know, how am I allowing more women to continue to influence and shape me? You know, do I need to grow in that area? And not just as a mother or sister or, you know, something finite. Yeah, let those perimeters of expectation explode a bit. Um, Something else that really impacted me, and I think it really spoke into how I'm feeling at the moment, is how beautifully Tim articulated the balance between despair and hope, especially with, you know, like we have these conversations and I hear your interviews and I think, hooray, like the world is changing. This is really positive this is probably just a snapshot of a much larger movement of positive masculinity. And then I read the news and see another woman who is murdered by a domestic partner or Mm. a stranger. And I think, my goodness, the statistics are rising and we're seeing it getting worse. And what's the point of it all, you know? So I think um, this was really encouraging for me that, yes, we do have to talk about the shocking reality and I don't want these conversations to ever – ignore that or say, you know, or or pretend we don't have a really significant problem, Mm. not just in Australia, but globally, but also how do we not just stay stuck there? How do we start to, to have those small moments of change? And I liked that have hope in the small changes and the fact we're having these conversations is it is a really encouraging change. Yeah. I really love that Tim 
was really strategic in his approach. I think that often when it comes to these sort of like really uh, confronting conversations, we aren't necessarily very strategic. Mm-hmm. We just go in with passion. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that passion maybe can get things started. I think mm. that's one of the things Tim identified. you got to shock people. Um, but then I, I love that he said things like for him, like one take three for the sea. If that's all somebody does, that's a failure. I thought mm. it was a really standout thing that he said because he's like, I don't want people just to get inspired for that moment. Mm. I want to take a strategic approach where I'm helping people to continue to make that incremental change that mm. stacks up over time, um, which is way less sexy than change overnight. <laughs> that's and it. And it's like just a slog a bit. And that's where people get discouraged, isn't it? It's like I had all this inspiration and vision and people are still being people. What's the point? But, yeah, you're right. Like it is that not just a one-off but this constant repeated action and asking for change. You don't necessarily have to be a person on a podcast. It can be a person talking to a neighbour and saying, hey, what you just said about women was super unhealthy where is that coming from can I just show you a different way to to view people yeah I loved his idea as well of like the the choir can sing louder but I thought there's really something in that idea of like start with the people who are already on board that is kind of this ball of energy to build and grow and continue to Mm. give that thing more like if that's where there's a flame already let's continue to fan that flame rather than trying to start something fresh. Yeah, and that's what I've loved about this series. It's not just having the conversations, it's putting legs on it. So what does that look like in in day to day? And I loved that piece of advice that he gave at the end of think about the second or third question you would ask and start there, like we have to stop skimming over the surface. He also said this thing at the end which really stood out to me around sustaining yourself Mm. is the most important thing if you're in it for the long haul. Uh, What Tim said today reminded me of something Rob Ward has said about being a really intentional model. Um, I think that was a really interesting thing too, that we do have responsibility for our actions and our attitudes and what we're promoting to the world um, something I, I did want to challenge a little bit, Tim suggested that we are starting to have these conversations because society is feeling a bit more stable. But I think we are finally getting to the point in society where we're seeing that it's not working anymore mm. and stereotypes or repressed masculinity that has seemed to work for so long is cracking. Like I feel like it's feeling quite unstable. I think... We're in a very unpredictable age and I think in that we're we're seeing that things that held us upright are not doing that anymore and I think that's what's causing these conversations is men aren't able to find that that works. We're seeing that there is so much expected of men, so much more being challenged. They're feeling uncomfortable with what's expected of them or, or spoken over them and that's where I'm seeing these conversations change. So this is a positive thing. We cannot keep doing what we've been doing because it's leading to destructive forces. Yeah, that's a really good point that that um, the more diversity we can embrace in our understanding of something like our gender identity, then there's actually room for somebody who has some of those, you know, it's it's fine if in the future there's, you know, rugby players and mechanics and engineers mm. or whatever that are men, 
Um, but it'd be great if they could also be emotionally vulnerable and aware and have women who were their mentors mm. and friends and filled important roles in their lives. And kind of like it's almost like a lot of things right now that seem like contradictions or paradox mm. could just become normal. And that's it. I think some of the conversations I've had suggest that the solution is to absolutely avoid anything we've seen of masculinity so far, and that's not it either. Some people do identify with that more macho traditional role but yeah you can do that and be a decent human to the women in your life and be in touch with your emotions i like that point i think that's really and the flip side to that point is probably worth saying as well is um just being uh like gentle or or withdrawn doesn't mean that you have great character either no and so i think the challenge like sometimes we associate like higher value with people on these really Mm. simplistic spectrums. Absolutely. And whether you are kind of more stereotypically um, gentle or tough, you know, you've got work to do. We've all got work to do. Health looks different for everyone and no one is is, – Well, no one gets off the hook. Thank you. And I say that because for me, like I could could almost go, oh – I'm a poet, I'm sensitive, I'm very emotionally mm, open, I have women who are friends, I don't need to do any self-work. Mm. And that's rubbish because I still have, I, I still feel the negative impacts of the stories I live out of and I still have heaps of work I need to do on myself. Humble approach to how, how can I grow? How can yeah, I keep growing? Yeah, absolutely. And we aren't perfect, so let's just like work together on doing this better. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Which I think is really important for anyone who is listening and kind of just feels a bit overwhelmed by um, the kind of maybe the sense of like there's just so much here. Mm. I think start with small steps Mm. and uh, celebrate little wins, Mm. which is something I felt like Tim kind of said as well. And um, you, you only need to take that incremental change in your life to create big change over time. So don't don't worry about changing the world. Mm. Just work on yourself just a little bit at a time. This podcast has been proudly brought to you by the Central Coast Council and developed by Lead by Story. Help us grow the conversation by giving it a positive rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Music for this show has been created by Josh Corkill and editing was done by Sienna Aloisio. I've been your host, Will Small. Catch you next time on Mankind. <laughs>